This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On a night when Pep Guardiola showed utter disrespect to City's youth team prospects by snubbing them for a Champions League dead rubber, it was a 17-year-old lad from Bury that shone for the Blues as they eventually put free past Sevilla. They'll finish top of the group once again, going unbeaten, and we'll review the 3-1 victory over the Spanish side in today's podcast, whilst also chatting about who impressed and looking ahead to Monday's round of 16 draw. It's Thursday, the 3rd of November. I'm Amos Murphy. And I'm Oliver Lowe. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Oliver, welcome. Um, I'll have to say, for the benefit of the tape, I'm wrapped up in a blanket and I've got a hat on. So uh, you've got the pleasure of, of making your debut to this uh, frozen site over here. It's been horrible weather in Manchester, as I'm sure you'll know. Um, but welcome. Welcome to the podcast. First first of uh, first of many, I'm hoping. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really excited. Um, you know, blistering night in Manchester. Nothing different, as you'd expect, in November. But um, yeah, really excited to be here and talk about a riveting game of football. <laughs> You're not wrong. To be fair, we were just saying before we press record, it was uh, considerably better than the, the last couple of Champions League group games. But we thought... Before we get into it then, without wanting to sound like a really awkward speed day, um, tell us a little bit about the work you do, because... Um, you're, you, you've done a little bit of work for the Mank, which I suppose people in Manchester will know of, but maybe not those outside of the UK. And I actually saw today a fantastic, fantastic top tier content TikTok of your Halloween costume, which um, I'll have to link because I'm not sure everyone would have seen it, but dressed up as Harland running around the office. So yeah, tell us a bit about what you do day to day. Yeah, yeah. So um, freelance presenting, um, most of it was done previously uh, with The Mank, which is a social media company based in Manchester, mm. um, sort of doing uh, lots of vox pops, interviewing people on the streets and making generally silly videos, um, <laughs> as you indicated, uh, via my TikTok. Um, yeah, last minute bit of inspiration that for the Halloween costume, um, you know, had a shirt, just needed a wig. Um, so, you know, quick, quick trip to the Arndale um, and yeah. That, that's that's me most of the time just generally messing about and being silly unhinged content which means you'll absolutely Un- unhinged yeah you'll you'll absolutely fit in here there's no rhyme or reason to anything we do um right okay we'll get into it then because we are here to review manchester city three severe one 
City eventually finding a way through, you have to say. That first half was as non-event as you could ever imagine. Uh, a goal towards the end of the half, giving Sevilla 1-0 half-time. What did, what did you make of it, though? Because it wasn't the worst game in the world, let's face it. Dead rubbers have been deader. But meaningless game for me beforehand. I was hoping both teams took the handbrake off and, and just went for it. I think City tried to a little bit in that first half. Sevilla were sort of happy and containing. Um, but it turned out to be... a an entertaining affair, or at least as entertaining as you could hope for, I imagine, in that second half. I think, you know, everyone, like you say, tuning in tonight was was hoping that we'd just see end-to-end um, football of, you know, two teams that are just saying, let's have a bit of fun, um, which realistically was was never going to 100% be the case. But I think we got the most out of it that we could have hoped for. Um, I think, like you said, first half City um, tried, especially down that left-hand side. That's one thing that I continually thought in that first half mm. I, I really loved was seeing um, Gomez, Grealish and Foden down that left-hand side. I thought they were playing really nicely together and, um, you know, creating some good chances. Um, one thing that I thought to myself about 30, 30 minutes into that first half was, you know, even in the deadest of dead rubber games, you see 11 men in the box against a Man City side. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Something's never so, changed. You know, no, no, exactly. But, you know, um, as, as the game went on, um, I think it opened up a little bit and, yeah, we, we got as much as we could have hoped for. Um, some some obviously some nice moments that I'm sure we'll talk about, and some nice performances. Um, but on the on the whole, not one that's going to go down in the history books. No, no, not at all. I, I think the main purpose, and we'll wait to see um, after the press conferences and as the days go by, was to sort of just get through the game without any problems. I'll take you back to what would it have been about five o'clock, six o'clock today. In fact, before that, when the speculation around team news was swirling, a bit like the win today in Manchester, which was uh, which was pretty horrible. But um, it was it was going around Twitter, wasn't it? Who would play? Who would start? Who would be in? Who would be out? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. How did you feel about that team? Because there was a few mixed opinions online, wasn't there, about the players who were included. One name that we have to address is is Carlos Borges, who's lit the world alight so far this season for the EDS team. A lot of people wanted to see him, and he's 18 years old. He was training with the first team, what would it have been, the day before the game. Um, but he wasn't involved in the squad at all, which let some people down a little bit, but but for me, I was looking at. I'd love to have seen him play. But if Guardiola saying he's not ready, I'm going to trust Guardiola over over some people on Twitter. That, that's how I looked at it. I really thought about it. Yeah, no, 100. percent I think um, I think uh, Adam actually put put a tweet out saying, you know, um, far be it from anyone on Twitter to sort of question what what Pep Guardiola is yeah, doing. Yeah. You know, that 100 percent puts it down to a T. I, I personally was um you know gunning to to see him to see him play i think the the bit of speculation or the bit of news how credible it was that um you know he'd been registered as part of the the team mm. with the of the previous night maybe led to a bit more speculation but having only trained with the first team for one day uh, i don't think anyone could be majorly disappointed i I'd, I'd suspect that there might be a few cameo appearances later on in the season maybe mm. you know um, in the early rounds of the carabao cup um, which will be nice, but you know he's 18. It's his first season with the EDS. Obviously, he's setting it alight, but um, yeah, I, I don't think there was any, any need to sort of panic over his absence. And uh, yeah, I was happy with the lineup. Yeah, yeah, there was plenty to be excited about in that lineup, wasn't there? We'll get to Rico Lewis, we'll speak a lot about him, but even on the other side, Sergio Gomez returning from that suspension, he played really well. You mentioned that left-hand side with Grealish, and then this midfield of, of Gundwan, Palmer and Foden. 
I think a lot of City fans have wanted to see Phil Foden in midfield for some time now. I thought he did okay. Um, Guardiola said a number of times he sometimes lacks that. What's the word? I think it's pauser, meaning like that little composure to get your foot on the ball, pass, pass, pass. He is 100 miles an hour, which is, to his absolute credit, he makes stuff happen, as we saw in the second half. But how did you how did you assess those two? I put a tweet out beforehand saying they're going to be linking Stockport and Wimmenshaw better than the, the 368 bus route ever has. I think maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to wait a little bit um, to see how, exactly how they get on further down the line. But it was, it was great to see Palmer back as well. It was nice to see those two working together. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I was excited by um, that sort of that sort of midfield, um, especially like you say, Palmer and Foden. Um, I think Foden. It, it, it was almost a bit of a turning back the clocks tonight in sort of seeing a. a, a, a a rugged Phil Foden in a position that he's not used to because when he first came into the team and you know um, he was a massively exciting player playing out on the wing he like you say lacked that bit of composure but he was doing so many things that were exciting um, and added a bit of zip to the game that the City fans loved um, and you know Guardiola sort of wanted him to develop his game more and I think he's definitely done that in the wider positions now um, but as he moved into the middle you sort of got that feeling back a bit that um, although he was creating chances and doing exciting things he may be that uh, maturity in that position that Guardiola was looking for. Um, I think him and Palmer maybe didn't have the link up that we'd have hoped for. Still mm. think they uh, worked better than, than Manchester uh, public transport does. <laughs> yeah, you're, not but, wrong, you're not wrong. <laughs> but I think him and Grealish um, were really exciting on that side. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was nice to see, wasn't it? Those those sort of moments, and and even though City didn't manage to find a goal in that first half, it was much better than the last few matches we've seen, and and perhaps it, it's down to the fact that City were playing with natural fullbacks. Um, Adam was meant to be joining us. Adam Booker, of course, he's had a power outage over in Portland, so he, he's not able to join us on the show. But he's begged me, he's begged me to read this out. He called it a theory. I'm not quite sure it, it can be given this uh, tag, but it, it's a it's a take, and we'll see how you take to it. Um, this is what he, this is what he tweeted tonight. Make no mistake, City were fun to watch going forward because that wretched hybrid back three was scrapped for two overlapping fullbacks. It will be back for the weekend though. Now, Adam and I have, have spoke about this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. How typically City have had a right back, uh, sorry, a centre back at right back, and it sort of made the attacking positions and the attacking pattern, sorry, a little bit muddled, a little bit confusing and not not as fluid as you'd expect. It did feel though, didn't it, with Sergio Gomez on one side, Rico Lewis on the other. It felt a little bit more natural. And yes, there were issues going the other way. Sergio Gomez and Rico Lewis aren't exactly defensive stalwarts, but it did feel like a little bit of City of old in that sense when you had Kyle Walker and you've had sort of a, a naturally left-footed left-back. It, it felt fun in a way. And I don't know if the last few games haven't felt as fun as the as they maybe should have. Yeah, no, um, 100%. Um, like, like you say, just having a, a naturally left-footed left-back out on that side, I think made a real difference. Um, I know I keep going back to it, but I think it created a freedom going forward. Yeah. Um, I think... Second half, once that that system, um, you know, was was changed, is when we really started to see the benefit of, of Rico Lewis and Gomez, mm. um, and yeah, it has felt a bit um, almost. I don't want to say cautious, but um, you know, there's there's definitely been an aspect of wanting control more than. Uh, attacking freedom and fluidity this season um, I don't know if that's 
in the past few games maybe because of that lack of um, the big man up top that we've maybe just wanted to control games a little bit more um, but yeah I'd, I'd be surprised if like Adam said it's not back by the weekend yeah um right okay I'll, I'll give you the power here you can you can call the city report podcast man of the match it's between two names rico lewis and julian alvarez the the one you pick we'll speak about last so uh rico lewis julian alvarez who was your standout man from the win against Sevilla? i think that um you know on this occasion, um, it's going to have to be Rico Lewis. I think that Ju- yeah. Julian Alvarez was fantastic, and I think on any other day he'd have got it, um, especially you know with his contributions to assists and a goal. But I think you know for a um, you know a Manchester lad, uh, born in Bury, um, you know to to sort of do that at seventeen, make his Champions League um, debut, um, or start starting debut and um, score. I just thought, yeah, he has to get it. Yeah, Mancunians looking after each other. Uh, right, okay, we'll speak about Julian Alvarez first then. You mentioned two goals, uh, sorry, one goal and two assists. Quite first half, wasn't it? I think it, it said on commentary that he only had 10 touches, fewest of any any player on the pitch, two in the opposition box. He finished the the, the match, I'll, I'll read you out his stats, obviously played 90 minutes, scored once, assisted twice. Completed 13 out of his 17 passes, and here's the big ones. He, he, he created five chances and took his one shot, 100% shot accuracy. Um, it's been, I don't know if you've, how you've assessed his start, because I've I've been impressed in some parts, but in other parts I've gone, he's had quiet games there, and I suppose it's to be expected for a centre-forward playing in City, because you, like you say, you're going to have 11 players behind the ball, and you're going to try and have to break them down. There comes a point, though, doesn't there, where you say to a forward, you have to make something happen for yourself. And and time will tell. He's only a young lad. Time will tell if that comes down the line. But tonight, he felt like from the first whistle, he was he was trying to make stuff happen. And I think it was Mahrez's goal in the second half. It comes from him, doesn't it? He, he's hurrying the defender, trying to get the ball off him, snaps in behind them, which... I was surprised VAR didn't check for a foul. Not that I thought it was, but yeah. it was one of them where you go, bloody hell, here we go. Um, but then obviously <laughs> plays the ball, weight of pass is perfect, good finish from Mares. He's an absolute live wire, isn't he? And I'd hate, hate to play. He's the sort of player when you play five aside who's always at your heels, always nicking at you, trying to get the ball, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, he um, he reminds me of. Um... A Argentinian striker that we've had in the past. Um, it's not Aguero, it's Tevez. Um, yes, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that sort of, um, like you say, just sort of nipping at players, always being there, high energy, high pressing. Um, and you know, when he first came in, in those first few appearances, people likened him to um, to Gabriel Jesus because obviously he was really good with that high press. But I think actually, the more that I'm seeing him and watching his game, he does remind me more of Tevez because he's got that sort of natural class and ability to finish and and make something happen and like you say, create those chances. But at the same time, that work rate is uh, is just phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it's the second shout actually we've had this week about Tevez and, and Julian Alvarez. George, who was on the show yesterday, said exactly the same and you bang on. Um, it's that sort of bulldogish mentality isn't it that constantly never wanting to give up and and the comparisons are completely completely fair uh right okay we'll, we'll finish part one on rico lewis then some more stats obviously got taken off in the 85th minute 
scored that goal. What a finish, by the way. Jesus Christ. Unreal, yeah. Absolutely well he did. And the keeper had no chance. Um, 49 out of 54 attempted passes were completed. That's a percentage of 91. He had another shot as well, uh, which whistled, I think would be the word you describe it, past the far post. So he's definitely involved. He had 68 touches. Footmob is telling me he completed the most dribbles in the match with two. If you're going to have your first start, in the Champions League at 17 years old, that's probably the way you want to do it. Yeah, I don't think I could uh, I could write a better start to a, to you know a sort of a career, especially in the Champions League. Um, I think he was hugely exciting. Um, I think that finish was just amazing. But I think I think tonight was just the perfect opportunity for him. You know, I know Guardiola spoke about it um, with it being a dead rubber game, but it sort of gave him that freedom to attempt things that maybe you know in in the couple of appearances that he's made in the Premier League, he's kept things tidy um, and quite rightly so. But tonight he was just able to be let off the leash just a little bit and show what he can do at such a young age. And, you know, there were, there were a couple of times where um, out on that wing, you know, he um, he stole crosses, did a few step overs, mm. lashed the ball into the box. And, um, yeah, it just just uh, had, had that nice bit of flair and, yeah, youth, um, youthful talent that I think looks great, yeah. Yeah, and to think he'll be waking up tomorrow morning, probably heading off to college. Um but you, oh, he'll be the most popular kid in school. Yeah, you'd say so, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd say so. Um, but yeah, you, you bang on. I'm glad you mentioned that. He, he was tormenting defenders at the opposite end of the pitch. Alex Tellez, who is obviously on loan from the other club in Manchester, that we shall, shall not be named. I think he's going to go to bed tonight with with the, the, an imprint of Rico Lewis on his on his psyche because he was tormenting him. He was turning him inside yeah, out. Yeah. That- there was one bit where um, he, he, like you say, was just twisting and turning and eventually Tellers just gave up and just pulled him down and went, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know what, I've not, had enough. I'm absolutely not having this and that's probably why he was loaned out to Manchester United. Uh, sorry, to to, uh, to Sevilla from Manchester United, getting turned inside out. He's 29 years old, getting turned inside out by a 17-year-old. Um, right, OK, we'll, we'll call it a day for part one. We'll be back in a jiffy to speak about Manchester City's potential round of 16 opponents. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm here with Oliver Lowe. Um, right, I'm going to read some names to you, Oliver. I want you to tell me who your worst case draw would be and who your best draw would be. So so here's the six teams City can play in the round of 16. Club Brugge, RB Leipzig, Inter Milan, Paris Saint-Germain, AC Milan, and Frankfurt. There was a lot of ands at the end then there. I thought for a second I'd, I'd got one wrong, but Paris Saint-Germain obviously from Paris and AC Milan and Inter Milan from Milan in Italy. Um, right, okay. <laughs> who's, your, who's your ideal pick? Who's your sort of the one that you kind of want to avoid? Um, I, did, I think the thing is now City have reached this point in their sort of uh, Champions League story where I don't think you know we necessarily need to go to ideal picks because we should be up for face. And anyone, that was one thing I was thinking is, you know, I remember a, a few years ago, five years ago, you think, oh gosh, please let's get the smaller clubs or yeah, you know, um, yeah. may, maybe maybe the clubs that I feel like we stand more of a chance against. But now I genuinely would take anyone. You know, if if I was to just um, try and think of the team that we were we were most likely to sort of put aside, I'd say Club Brugge. Mm. Um, you know, would would be my pick, but. I'd honestly expect us to surpass any of those teams. 
Yeah, and and that's that's the the benefit, isn't it? You win your group, you're given a, a team who have finished second in the group, and sort of quote unquote should be a, an easier tie. You bang on though. There's not a team in that six that City shouldn't be beating. In fact, whoever City draw, you'd assume they'd be favourites. I just want to pick on pick up on um Paris Saint Germain because it was pretty crazy how they've ended up in this position. I don't know if you saw it. They were they were tying with Benfica going into tonight. Both teams won their game. PSG went away to Juventus, who obviously dropped out quite early on in the group stage. They'll be in the Europa League and uh, PSG won two one. Benfica were going away to Maccabi Haifa and Benfica won 6-1, meaning that both Benfica and PSG tied for points, tied for head-to-head, tied for goal difference. There's a few others in there as well. They've both won the same amount of games. They've both drawn the same amount of games. They've lost no games in the group stage. So it actually went down to the amount of goals Benfica scored away from home which meant they finished first. So PSG dropped into into pot two. That's remarkable. And wow. given given the fact they've still got a certain Lionel Messi at the club, I think they're the one team you're looking at in that pot going, yeah, just get rid of them. Early doors, don't have City draw against them because Lionel Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, they can create anything really, can't they? Yeah, I think, um, don't, don't get me wrong, if, if, if I could order my... Um, my, my choices out of those six teams, PSG would definitely be last. But at the same time, you know, they would sort of have that inevitability about it if City mm. out of those six teams were to draw PSG. Um, yeah. And, you know, if if we should, if that happens, um, I'd welcome welcome the challenge. Yeah, obviously it's uh, two seasons in a row. City have played PSG. Um, semi-finals in the 2020-2021 season. Then obviously group stage of last year um just a couple more then RB Leipzig Eintracht Frankfurt two Bundesliga teams I think Frankfurt scraped through the previous night's games to City they, they, they were in the, the group with Tottenham Marseille and Sporting um I think Frankfurt probably wouldn't pose too many threats but again you never know RB Leipzig another team that that City should roll over it'd be interesting those two Milan teams how they fare because they've had interesting a sort of interesting decade between them haven't they sort of blown into wilderness a little bit at the start of uh sort of about 2015 or so weren't really in Europe they've both managed to claw themselves back I think it's AC Milan's first venture into the knockouts of the Champions League for for quite a few years San Siro I suppose anything can happen at that stadium it'd be a great one to visit but again the two teams you're probably looking at and going yeah City every team here City should win and that's a that's that's the beauty I of think... it really isn't it yeah, I think if I was to romanticise a draw, I'd go for Inter purely because, um, you know, the away trip to the San Siro would just be insane. But then also, uh, unless I'm wrong, which I could be, uh, it'd be Ed and Dzeko's return to the yes. Etihad. Yeah, um, yeah, he, be, he's not be. played since he's left. Um, and I think he'd get a really good reception from the fans. Um, so, so, yeah, there'd, there'd be a bit of sentimentality there. Yeah, that's a nice shout, a really nice shout. Edin Dzeko, obviously, he stars his name sang by the City supporters. Um, right, OK, we'll, we'll wrap with this then. Forget football, forget potential opponents, forget how difficult they may be. I want you to rank City's potential round of 16 opponents based on the ideal stag do. So we've got six teams, we've got six <laughs> different cities. If you're planning a, 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 what should we say, what would the game be, a Tuesday or Wednesday? If you're planning a Monday to Wednesday trip, match in the middle, where's the best one that you're looking at? For any any potential uh, newlyweds looking to, to sort of finish their, their time as a single life, um, 
with a stadio <laughs> watching City. <laughs> what, what, what would you say? I mean, my, my stag do wasn't that far back. It was only in May to uh, oh, to Salou and Spain. Yeah, so I, I've, I've I've got the experience. I know what it takes to to you know <laughs> uh, pull off the four day bender. Um, <laughs> so uh, for me, I'd be going. Uh, honestly, I think I'd be going Paris six. Um, yeah, I just yeah. I just can't imagine that the nightlife there is incredible. Um, I'd then probably be be going for a tie between uh, Leipzig and. Uh, Brugge in Belgium. Um, it's tough. You know what? I've never been to Frankfurt, but I can imagine it's the type of place that just is is bedlam. Um, <laughs> where like it's it would be surprisingly brilliant. Yeah, um, but I think yeah, yeah, I think I'd then go Frankfurt third and a tie for first place between uh, obviously Inter and AC purely because um, you know I think a big big lads holiday to Milan and then to the San Siro it, the, yeah. the San Siro just has so much about it like that's the ultimate prize winner there yeah. um, is yeah. you know I mean I'm, I'm aware how expensive Milan can be as a city but um, just you know to go to an away game at the San Siro for your stag do yeah. there'd be no complaints would there yeah, forget the wedding in a couple of weeks. The, the ultimate prize is the, the San Siro. That, that's the idea. Yeah, waste the rest of the budget going to the San Siro. <laughs> yeah, sorry, love. The wedding's cancelled there. The boys are off to Milan. Um, yeah, so if anyone's looking for any stag do's being planned, just give Oliver a bell. He's, he's, uh, he's outed himself as the man to do it. Um, right, okay, I think we'll call it a day there. Um, Oliver, it's been, it's been fantastic. Thank you for joining us. I've had plenty of fun. And like I said, I'm sure you'll be back in the very near future. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, so today was the Thursday show. We'll be back with one more of the week tomorrow, Friday show, new prediction show planned. So make sure you check that out. But in the meantime, Oliver, where can people find you running around as Erling Haaland? <laughs> people can find me um, at uh, underscore Oliver Lowe um, on most social medias. There we go. There we go. Go and check all of his stuff out. It, and I'll, I will link, personally link the Harland video. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, I've been Amos Murphy today for the Thursday show, going through City's 3 1 win against Sevilla. I've been joined by Oliver Lowe. And until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.